ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Well, we are going to do part two of history with Mike Coe and Danny Duncan. Um, I'm Leonard Duncan, your host of ATV Talk. And we bounced around a little bit in the first episode. And we, we I don't apologize for that because the conversation is so good and the stories are unbelievable. You know, I get to live and I've got to live a portion of this. And uh, sitting down with Mike and, and Danny really, really brings back a lot of the fun times. Um, where we're going to go, we're going to start with the with the ATC 250R and the TRX 250R because that's kind of where we were leaving off last time. Um, 85 came out water-cooled and uh, kind of revolutionized the whole deal. You know, we initially started on the introduction of the 250R and uh, we mentioned that the disc brakes, Honda actually put disc brakes on the three-wheelers before their motorcycles. Yes, we did. Which and is, uh, most people don't realize that. No. But they did. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. And I and I was uh, riding a motorcycle at the time. Hydraulic so. disc brakes. Well, three-wheeler first. That's crazy. And I, we skipped over the 83, 84, 250R. Those were good bikes too. The three wheelers and everything was probably their their best sellers. Oh, by far, time. by far. In fact, I did see some numbers um, because on the ATC team when I was with it didn't have a budget like for Supercross and road racing. Honda set aside significant millions of dollars so they could go racing, whereas the three wheeler team budget came from sales of three wheelers, and they had. You know, Honda was making lawnmowers, cars, street bikes, dirt bikes, ATCs. Um, I think it was in 83, 1983, when the, the sales came through, and three wheelers was like 40% of Honda's overall sales. And the CRs were the two cycle Honda dirt bikes, and the XRs, as you know, were the four strokes. And CRs and XRs combined was one tenth. Of one percent total sales, <laughs> so that was the thing people didn't realize is they were selling three wheelers faster than they could make them. They were in demand. It was, it was incredible uh, desire right. to have three wheelers. In fact, the other thing too is when we went to the desert races, to the score races, Bob five hundred, Bob one thousand, San Felipe two fifty. That's a lot of pit support. You know, you got to have spares, you got to have personnel, you got to have trucks. And the whole budget for those was specifically to support three wheelers. But since they were there, well, we can carry a couple bike wheels and stuff like that too to support the motor the motorcycle racers. But yeah, that's another Is, thing. That's where Honda pit support came from. Absolutely. Was from the, the ATV side. Yeah. Wow. Clearly. Because they still they still run a huge pit support thing down there. Yeah, and uh, even even looking back at the when the 250Rs first came out, Honda wanted to introduce them into desert racing, which they did. Uh, 
just prior to me getting on the team, uh, Dean Sundahl, Mark Waxeldorfer, Tracy Dixon, um, Ace Williams, they were, you know, approached to ride them in these desert races. Uh, they're very popular. I don't think they race them now, but at the time, the first race of the season was the Parkland 400. And then after that, it was the Baja 500. And, oh, no, I take that back. After the after the Parker, it was the San Felipe 250, then the Baja 500, and then the Baja 1000. Then there was also a race in the Sony. It was a Sony 250 race. Then now they do the 250. Then I believe they do a 400 mm-hmm. and a 500 and then the 1000. So they made it a four-race deal. Um, I think the trucks and buggies get uh, the race in Nevada. Uh, it's not Parker, but it's uh, it's not the Mint anymore, whatever they call it now. Well, one of the guys that I'm friends with on Facebook posted a picture, I think it was from 1983, of one of uh, FUD, remember FUD, out mm-hmm. here in the local desert race? He had a picture of a three-wheeler race. It was over a 100 three-wheelers right entered in the race in one class 100 and that's the way it was in the 80s they were so popular people just don't understand you go to the races now you maybe see a dozen or so entries for any class well back then back in the 80s score was really popular right you had all the the class you know pro 500 cc bikes and the pro 250s pro 125s and then you might have the veteran classes you still have you know hundreds of motorcycles and you had all the truck and buggy and car classes and then they would let the three-wheelers start last the very last vehicle was three-wheelers and you started in the afternoon when everybody else left yeah, in the morning and, and by then yeah you're getting really late start so all you were doing is eating dust the whole time trying to get past these you know bone stock Volkswagens kicking up so much dust you couldn't even hardly see it choking them and stuff like that but we still were making progress up you know and, and Sal Fisk was the the head guy at SCORE realized that so in the 84 Baja 1000 he decided to let the three-wheelers start after the last motorcycle and I don't know if we discussed this before so we still had very popular open classes 250 classes veteran classes a number of motorcycle age-related classes, so on and so forth, and then the three-wheelers could start before the first four-wheel vehicles. And in '84, Baja 1000, our 250cc 250R three-wheeler finished fourth overall. We passed all every single bike, all the 250 bikes. The only thing that beat us was three open-class motorcycles in the Baja 1000. That's pretty awesome. Fourth overall. And that was in 80, 84. 84. Well, was that? It was on an 85. What, what it was on an 85 yeah. to UTR? Did it made, did the 85 made that big of a difference for you guys? Well, it was good. There's no doubt it was better than the earlier ones, but it was actually the, could show how fast we could really go if we didn't have to pass all these slower vehicles. We were basically still faster than all those vehicles. We we're faster than every even pro open class motorcycle, 500cc bikes. Right. Only three of them beat us. Three. That's incredible. It is incredible, and I don't even think the four wheelers can can will ever match that type of results. I don't know off the top of my head how far up the totem pole. I believe they broke the top ten. I believe. I'm not sure. Um, uh, Well, everything's progressed so much. When you look at these trophy trucks now, they just go so fast. Oh, those things are just insane. Back in the '80s, motorcycles were still the fastest things you know as far as overall time out in the desert well yeah they're spending a million dollars on a truck now but you think about the evolution bikes now i mean they've evolved some but even back in the 80s they had 12 inches of travel and they had a lot of power i don't think they have near the power that they have now no but they weren't they weren't any slouch back then no the riders were still good and then there was that whole era i think it was in the late 80s early 90s where johnny campbell won Anyway, just to put a little limelight on the three wheelers, fourth and fifth overall was our team B team bike, which we battled with all day. And the only reason, well, we were ahead of them barely, but they got uh, Mike Hallett got a flat, front flat at the last check. 
picked up something and had to write, hit a finish on the front fly, which is no easy task. You can imagine. Yeah, that's really But yeah. still finished fifth overall. That's incredible. Yeah. Even had guys coming up to us at the pro trophy presentation. We wouldn't even pass them. Like some of these guys that would race the Dakar, they'd be there on their BMWs. And, you know, those guys make good time too. And we passed them. They did the I can't believe how fast you guys were on that three wheel. <laughs> There's a lot of accolades that uh, we got from finishing. And then uh, the following year in 85 was my, my actual very last race for Team Honda. And we had the 86 three wheel. And uh, yeah, we ran that one just bone stock. We had some Turner stuff on it, but for whatever reason, it wasn't as good as we thought it should be. Started with the Turner the top end pipe, whole kit, but we, we were tuning. I think I mentioned this in a previous uh, conversation with Tracy and me, Tracy Dixon, and uh, Steve Wright were the team, the team. We just felt after pre running that the bike really wasn't up to snuff, so we were racing against our pre-runners. We were going out pre-running, pre-runners were running away from them, especially on, you know, sixth gear on. So How did you guys end up on that race? We won. Well, I like <laughs> that. I like the way you said it. What I'm saying is, is that we maybe, started maybe. we started putting stock parts back on this thing, and it kept getting faster and faster, and then finally it was, when it was bone stock, it was as fast as our pre-runners, but you wouldn't think that that's when, it. When I was teaching school, I used to have a lecture on this. If this gives you, this accessory gives you five horsepower and this one gives you seven and this one gives you two and this one gives you 18 and this one takes away 22, you know, you've got to have a match package. Sometimes all the good stuff from different people don't work. That's right. And uh, you got to have the right combination. The, the combination, and usually, like I tell them, have the same guy outfitted as built it. You know, if his stuff is fast, use his stuff. Don't try to stick somebody else's pipe on it or, you know, change around. But you guys started with what somebody thought was uh, a good setup. and. Uh, well, a lot of times, too, is, you know, a short course or motocross setup isn't optimal for a desert setup. And that's pretty much what it yeah. was. Yeah. So we just started going back to parts that we had available. Right. Which we didn't have a whole lot in the right before a race. Our but race bike was already ready to go. Right so we started putting parts up on pre runner and stuff back on this thing. And that's how we finished it. Was, the only modification we had was we had some CRQ50 mufflers. It's a big heavy steel thing that they came with. Well, just had a re welded bracket so it would mount real nice on the pool. But the pipe was still stock if you had silencer stuff inside. Stock card. Wow. They're good, strong machines. It was reliable. You got to finish the winner. Right. And the other one. In order to finish first, you must first finish. The other one that was all, you know. Zoomy zoomed. Zoom zoomed out and made it to Mike's and gave up. Wow. Yeah, it was a good race, man. It's, I think I won the Baja 1000 four years in a row. Wow, that's Lots pretty awesome. Lots. Lots all, all on Honda? But the following year, that's where I went uh, in 80, the 86 Baja 1000, since I wasn't with Honda anymore, was when I got approached by Yamaha because they wanted where they do the dancing. So again, it was an 87 model, but. The Baja 1000 is always in November. Right. So And all the new stuff comes out in October usually. So we, we went down there and went one, two in the Baja 1000 so we could have all their ads. You know, we came to America the hard way a few months ago. They had a bunch of cool little ads, you know. Yeah. And that was, that was why you have a picture money. of it up in the... I've got a poster in my garage. <laughs> nice. That they, had. they had a bunch of cool... I mean, Yamaha really treated me well. I mean, they, they really were first class and probably still are. In fact, Donnie Luce, when I used to race with him in uh, three-wheeler days, he's the team manager now. Yep. yep. Um, but he actually sent me some other stuff that they're gathering up. They're going to do uh, some kind of anniversary on the dance. You know how long they made them. Yeah. And then 
is easily the I best was, selling ATV of all time. I was told, and I don't have any way to prove this, that they sold a 2011 model in a different country. Oh, I think they did. I think uh, Canada or... or I, I was also told country. that there was an 87 250R three-wheeler yeah. sold in Canada, and it was white. Yeah. So I've never... three-wheeler thing went bad, they would actually have to cut the frames, but they could sell the engines. They sold completely brand new engines from cut up wheelers to like these uh, motorcycle training installations. And then uh, yeah, we got some stuff. We got some. Yeah, these brand new engines. The the schools have. Yeah. Yep. And guys are still getting parts and have complete brand new three wheeler engines. Uh, Some guys have. I think that BDT guy, uh, Carlos, has brand new engines still that he has. Complete. Yeah, it's. So, yeah, I bought some uh, XR75s. Yeah. I bought some engines, $120, something like that. Yeah. Those were good bikes, man. I had an XR75 I loved it. Probably one of the best motorcycles ever made. I love my XR75. It was a fun bike to ride. Yeah. Back, back in the day, I mean, it's just everybody had one. Everybody but, rode them. Given away, Overbay got three of the six cylinder. Yeah, CBX engine. Yeah, and scared the hell out of the kids. They lift the valve cover, you tell them to adjust the valves. And, oh my God, you know. Oh, yeah. they, they, my students hated it, you know. Cause yeah, I was in Overbay's class. I, of course, motorcycle. I used to ride my three wheeler to school. And me and Overbay got along. We were pretty tight. So he let me tinker on the three-wheeler class. And the rest of the class were working on lawnmower engines and stuff. Like they just didn't care. Yeah. They, they didn't understand. They was, you know, was some way to no get up some credits. Right. But I was in there to, to, to work on stuff. And, and Overbay knew it. So he, he, was, he was a good teacher for me. Yeah. I, mean, no, I liked, liked him. Because yeah. I taught nights and he taught days. Yeah. And I kept telling him, some of them things you're telling them, you know, work in, in at school, right. but I said you can't do that. You know, in business, right. if you take a job in and tell them you're going to do it and charge them for it, you've got to do it. Yeah, you know, and uh, and he had a different theory on uh, on how a professional should respond to some of that stuff. And we argued about mm-hmm. that. What uh, what year was that when you when he was still there when you were there? What year was that? Uh, I was there seventy five. Wow. Seventy four. So that's when I was in high school. I was at El Captain. I graduated in seventy eight. Yeah, because wow. The funny part about that is is Friday afternoon I got hired for Overbay's job. Oh, good. Monday morning, they didn't know who I was because Overbay not only could teach small engines and motorcycle repair, uh, he could teach math, or he had several others. And he was the new new guy in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went back to my shop. <laughs> but uh, I could see why he was uh, way more, he got made way more for the money. Mm-hmm. But hired on Friday, fired on Monday. <laughs> not didn't get fired. Just they didn't know who I was. That was depressing. Yeah. Remember, remember how the where the whole shops where he had auto shop and, and the machine shop and that stuff mm-hmm. in the back, and then the motorcycle shop was kind of on the north end. Yeah. He had that whole back road. It was right next to that big steep bank, and then the the road was up on top of that. Yep. Yeah. Remember that? Yep, I remember. I used to ride my bike up that bank when I left school. Like, up on the street. Took off. Nutball. <laughs> Nutball. Well, there was less traffic back then. People wide get a spotter. <laughs> get a spotter. Yeah, I freaking jump up on the road and get tagged by a car coming back. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to climb up there and here I go, man. My old modified SL350. I can't believe you did that on an SL350. Oh, yeah, man. It was no a problem. good engine, but the whole thing weighed too much. And... 
Well, it was modified too. They had the CB, CL, and SL 350s. And the SL's head, I mean, visually they were the same. It was kind of like the 90s and something, but it had way smaller ports and way smaller valves. And had smaller carbs. I guess they needed to be a little more responsive for off-road. But I just put the CB head on it and the CB carbs and woke that thing up. And you could get aftermarket cams. That was a very popular engine. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of some aftermarket stuff, and that thing was fast. And some of your stuff was we could bore a three fifty out and make it a four fifty just by pistons. <laughs> yep. Had had a set of those in it too, so it was no slouch, man. I popped it a couple of times. No, I don't pop, but I blew it up a couple of times too. Well, that that happens occasionally when you modify things. Well, I well, just ran the piss out of this. Thing I, I used to figure that it was, it's just there to be made bigger. <laughs> I had a little shed in the back. I had so many three fifty engines and. Parts. I, I don't know how I it, it accumulated so much 350 stuff. It was crazy how much stuff I had. I had like given away or taken it to the dump or something. They didn't even turn it for scrap. Because they started making those things in 68. So from 68 or until they came out with the CD 360, they sold yeah, a bunch of they, those bikes. Yeah, but the, the 350s, they. CB350F or whatever. The last one they built was a bitching motorcycle. I mean, they have got everything, fixed everything that was wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And they were just a fun bike to ride. And, and uh, we didn't have the problems that some of them And then they stopped making it. They just stopped making it. Mm-hmm. They made the 360. This 360 that yeah. the cam run in the head yeah. and galled it up you get low on oil oil and uh, you bought a new head oh geez. well even the first 90s were the same way it had a plain bearing cam the cam just rode in aluminum on the caps they didn't have bearings or nothing no no uh i made a setup in needle bearings. Well, I know you did, but I'm saying that's how they came stock. Yeah, they yeah. came stock. <laughs> but actually, they didn't galled up or have as problems. Bad. Not like the CBs. The 360s did. had oiling issues. Yeah. But the Hondas had good, pretty good, even though they pumped it up the the, the rod or the cylinder bolt. Are you familiar how they used to do that? Mm-hmm. Used to pressurize one of the, the yeah. bolt, yeah. cylinder head bolts. And then the customers would complain because it always seemed yeah, weep a little bit there. Yeah. Weeping, they didn't leak. They just weeped, and, and the dust would get there. And it, oh, oh, it's my, a leak. My engines ruined. You know, you know they did that that same oiling uh, deal even on all the way up through the two hundred Xs and XR two hundreds, and even the CRFs that I tinkered with for a number of years still oiled through the yeah. head start. Well, yeah. when the, when I started on the, the CB. 250s and 305s and everything, they they had that weeping and I'd take the sleeves out and make a little brass deal, a big shim stock and trim it so that it'd stand high enough that the top of the sleeve would hit the head Compressive. and slow it down. Didn't stop it, but it slowed it down. It, it's amazing to me when you deal with the consumer base, even some racers, and you get a little residue of oil somewhere, and oh my god, I got an oil leak! Uh, no, an oil leak's a puddle on the ground. Something you can see. Yeah, I mean, did a dirt build up on the? Su- yeah. yeah, you're well, you're good. There are motorcycles that are prone to leaving triumphs. Yeah, Harley come to you in a crate with no oil. oil. You take oil. them out of the crate, set them on the ground, and there's a puddle of oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the 60s and 50s stuff, you know, even the cars, they weren't like today's stuff where they're, you know, completely sealed up tight. You know, I used to take, if you look at some of these old aerial photos of freeways, there's like a black strip up every lane. Right. Because everything leaked, trucks, yeah. cars, motorcycles. They even tell you when you got your motorcycle license, don't run down the middle. Right, you're on that. but nowadays they get it's freaking clean as can be. Pretty much, cars the car, are, you know, yeah. The cars are way way better. You they know. are. Well, the Triumphs needed to rebuild after say fifty thousand miles. The Honda seven fifties go one hundred twenty five thousand without a a top end. Mm-hmm. 
and the stuff now, if you take care of it, who knows how, how many. You know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with actually with the, the new oils we have. I think the oil back then, too, wasn't as advanced, didn't have the same lubrication properties. So you could take some of them, even in the cars, you know, 60s era cars with today's oil, man, they don't wear out. And I think that's what they did. They just actually wore out because lubrication, the additives they put in oil nowadays yeah. have to be improved so much. Several times I had engine problems that was related to the quality of the oil. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. depending on... They sold good oil and they sold okay oil. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you use the okay oil in a racer, it created problems. Mm -hmm. well, I can neither, again, on our ATCs, we ran them on alcohol. We had to change the oil at the end of the race. When you drained it out, man, it was all white because there's so much raw alcohol in the oil. Things got to get past the rings and stuff. I know that with the oxygenated fuels, it affects the oil. Mm -hmm. um, in in the modern day four strokes that we run, I don't think a lot of people realize that because racers change the oil so often. You have to. You got a recreational guy that's playing with it. Yeah, but my KTM has fifteen hour oil change recommendation. I'm sure you don't make it go fifteen hours, do you? Yeah. You really wait that's that like long? One ride, man. Well, yeah, because you're riding it in a in a in a longer ride, yeah longer. I don't go for an hour out, man. I used to ride all day. Right, right. So That's 15 not... hours is, doesn't take me long to do. I mean, I don't ride it that much, but when I do ride it, you know, it could be eight, nine, ten hours. So to put 15 hours on it doesn't take me that long. So right now, yeah. anyway, I've, I've got like 1,400 miles on it. I've changed the oil like four times. Well, the more often you change it, the longer yeah. it's going to live. You know, just like you can you can change your car oil too much. Mm -hmm. You know, anything less than 3,000 miles is too similar. Well, again, the oils today are so much better than the 60s and mm -hmm. 70s. And that's why they have so much better lubrication properties because the, today's engines demand it. They wouldn't be able to have the kind of power and, and uh, reliability as they do without the improved oils. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, no question. I They're all synthetic lubrication now. Yeah, that's what I mean. You could take a 50s and 60s yeah, era petroleum bases, your sin blends, yeah. and then your straight synthetics have all gotten better. If you take those old cars that used to not give, you know, if you got 100,000 miles off a 60s era car, that was phenomenal. But I think they actually wore out simply because the lubrication of the oil is what it was. But if you rebuilt that engine now and put today's oil in, it might go 300,000. I had a 48, 48 Ford that was pretty good shape. Mm -hmm. And we uh, decided we would run uh, what the service station, this is one out of the kid, and the service station had this stuff that they would put in and it would wash all the gunk out of there and everything. Mm -hmm. And they did that. And it is amazing how much goop was from, you know, come out of there. Mm -hmm. uh, thing never ran as good after <laughs> I did that. Um, but, I mean, it just showed that there was so much sludge in that, even with a filter, mm -hmm. which was piss poor. But, right. But uh, uh, using good oil, it still got sludge and everything. And then as you go on, the quality of the oils and stuff uh, got better, but uh, way better. Well, not only is the you know the, the additives and the lubrication properties of these current oils is so good, but the filtration too. Like my KTM has three separate oil filters. Right. Three. It's got a little paper uh, cartridge that goes in there like automotive. It's they know the same thing. You know, not only you have good oil, but it's got to be clean. Right. Stay clean. That's the only four-stroke off-road machine that has that many oil filters. And Honda has one. Yamaha yeah. has one. Honda had a really cool design, and the 200s had it, the 90s had it. They had this little centrifugal slinger that the oil goes through, and because of centrifugal force, all the little tiny metallic parts will adhere to the outside. Remember those? 90s had them too, yeah. It's an ingenious design. I mean, I've taken old motors apart when we had them, and you can't even get to the nut in the thing because it's like completely packed with these minuscule metal shavings that the thing's lost over time. 
Fire. Clutch but, particles but and stuff could, like that. You could take that out and clean it yes. so easy. That's right. Triumphs. But nobody ever did. The centrifuge that they have is in the middle of the crank. So when that fills up with sludge, things were turning. Yeah. <laughs> but I got a head in the shop off KTM and it, it's got roller bearings. It's got little jets that right. shoot the oil at the right place. I mean, they're a work of art. They are. Uh, to me, that's, I don't know what they cost, but probably more than more than you want to spend. Well, from if the rest of the bike is like the head, you get your money's worth. It's a great bike, um, and they really made the valve adjustment easy, even though it's still used shims. You've worked on one before? Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not a, a KTM fan. Well, the valve adjustment is pretty pretty easy. Yeah, I, admit that. I, I get that, and there's some cool parts about it. But you know, they did well, me, they did me dirty one race, and 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 I still haven't got over it. You, you know how that is. But yeah, I I, I enjoy this bike that I've got. It's uh, I'm and, old and slow. And the so. bike I was trying to think of the bull cockle. <laughs> the Persang, I think. Yeah, those were good bikes. Oh, bitching bikes. Yeah. Uh, faster than hell. That's awesome. I watched the video. It was on uh, YouTube the other night. Monica and I, when I was telling you, that's why I want to see bikes. It was actually on a flat track thing. They showed flat track racing. Current guys. This guy's in his 70s, and his name's Bull Taco Bill. And nice. he's still winning at 70. And still riding and it. Still riding that same old person. I think it is That's a person. That's like uh, Feats and Earth. He used to ride. He was riding in the 50s and and he was still riding up till. Shit. I don't know. Anyway. In the 70s he, or past? Yeah, he was up in, in his 70s or past and still Amazing. riding. He, he raced and won quite a few even yeah. you know, in the senior class. Yeah, this guy's still winning too. In fact, they showed his race and he won. He's pretty tight at first, but every lap he's slowly pulling away. Big lead. When when we used to race up at Comp Park on the oval track they had mm -hmm. up there, and they had the no brake bikes come was, out, yeah. and um, who was it that, that rode one of those things? Uh, A.M. Ortega, Maurice. Yeah, Maurice. Maurice from A.M. Ortega would come out there and ride that thing with no brakes and him no and this other guy either? would huh? no no brakes no at brakes all. at all no in the class C stuff there was no brakes that seems dangerous serious hell no bet well just driving through the pits because you you've got to just chug along with your feet down yeah but uh they had a clutch though right uh, yeah but if you Engage it sometimes a bit faster. You know, I mean, it just wasn't that thing a 750 Harley. No, I think what he was riding was still like a 500, wasn't it? The flathead. I don't remember, but it was a Harley, and it was. Yeah. I, I I thought it was nuts. There's no no way I would ride a, you know, a machine with no brakes. I mean, I get on these triumphs that Dad builds and and test ride them and bring them back and just shake my head that there's just no way I could ride this because I'm used to brakes that work. <laughs> well, even at best, they weren't very good. Mm -hmm. I got to go ride with with dad and uh, my former father-in-law, Rick Poe, and they're stopping and I'm mashing the brakes front and rear and this thing's gaining speed as we're coming to the stoplight and I'm thinking oh god they just got this bike finished it's beautiful and I'm going to go run into the back of both of them and destroy all three of the bikes instead of the one that's when you drop a gear and let's clutch up and slow it down it finally it finally stopped what was it? it was a Triumph was it a flat track? no it was just an old oh, street old bike yeah, you know yeah, yeah, buddy, mine. Buddy, mine. I'm in the, in the Triumph Club of San Diego now. One of the guys in the club, actually the president of the club, has a seventy Bonneville. That's with a true the front wheel up on it a little bit. He's trying to get. He's had it for quite a while. It's in nice shape, but he hasn't run it since he got the modern one. He's got a 2019. 
Hasn't even looked at that old one. <laughs> well, yeah, because they just stop and they run and they yeah, start to the purr. That was the best. You know, in the fifties and sixties, but like we talked about evolution, right? yeah, it's so much better than everything today. Exactly. Well, look, you know, we got way off track because we were talking about. Yeah. The, the three wheelers and the two of yours. I mean, I, I granted, I love the conversation. I hope everybody else enjoys it as well. But we kind of skipped into the Banshee. Did you ride much 250R uh, four, four track stuff? I never rode them. You've never ridden one? I have ridden them. Mm-hmm. But I never, you never raced. Ra- one. Never in raced fact, one? the first time I ever even rode one. Was in the year two thousand. You know how we had that fiftieth anniversary yep. thing back there. Well, twenty years before that, in the year two thousand, they had another legends thing at Astabula, mm-hmm. and they weren't letting three wheelers. Yeah, they only had four wheelers. They had four wheelers, and Curtis Sparks had one of his guys put my number on one man race there. That was the first time I ever seen a leg over four tracks. Well, what was your version? What was your opinion of it? I mean, I was a TT bike, yeah, so it's a TT little bike. harder to to. No, it was fast. I liked it. Uh, I just had never ridden one before, but I ended up getting like third or fourth in the race that they had. That's crazy that you never rode one. Never rode one until that day. I yeah, you rode a Suzuki, you rode a Banshee, yeah, but you never rode one. I was pissed at him, so I didn't care for it. I didn't care for the KTM. Yeah. For the longest time. Well, I see. I'm going to go ride that KTM 300 yeah. just because I've heard it's such a great bike. Yeah. You know, I mean. You can ride my. my uh, I've ridden a 500 uh, version. This is a pretty big one I got. Yeah, this is a dual sport that I rode. Yeah. I put an ECU on it and it's fuel injected. That's what this one is. It's yeah. the ECU instead of. Yeah, the one totally stock had a stall issue, put a vortex on it, and yeah. solved the problem. Runs, runs great. Stall all the time. It's yeah. So lean and, but with, uh, I was able to, on mine, I was able to get the OEM one do that. Yeah, well, when you want it to really work good, put a vortex on it. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, this thing runs good enough for me. I'm old. You're not old. Come on. But you still, still got mad still skills. Still wheelies on it. Yeah. I could ride a wheelie for as long as I want. I got off the dual sport <laughs> bike. Um, I probably have said this before, but when I was on the way to my daughter's softball game and I split cars on the freeway and I set the front wheel down and it gives that little shake. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt mm-hmm. and a helmet at 70 miles an hour. It would be uh, very unfortunate for me not to make it to my daughter's softball game. Yeah. I have a VMAX sitting on the other side of the screen. And when I bought it, I tried to figure ways not to let him ride it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sam had a couple of VMAXs, too. First VMAX I rode was when they first came out in 85. Oh, those things were awesome. That's when they were the fastest. Yeah. And I rode the first one I rode, it was actually, and we were having a national up in. Uh, Oh, shoot, up north of Bakersfield a little bit. It's a great track, flat track race they had up there. And Eddie Sanders was from up there, Visalia. Yep. That's where it was. And his parents had the Honda, Yamaha dealership, and they had to take a D-Max out. They got on the highway on that, and just rolled up on that. And it was like that, you know, freaking clutch is slipping. Clutch wasn't slipping. Tire was freaking spinning the tire. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's six grand when everything kicks in and straightens your arm. Oh, up. yeah. They were strong, man. No doubt. Mine's a 96. Okay. And it's quite a bit less than. They uh, kind of tuned it down a little bit. Yeah. I know, but it's slower than that. Early ones. And now the new, new ones are like over 200 horse. They're right at 200 horsepower. Why? Kind Why? Of, kind of yeah. different looking. They are, yeah. And, you know, still got people out there that, that yeah. like that stuff. They're selling them. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess. In in uh, 2005, 2000, yeah, 2005, I uh, I went to uh, race in Pondeville uh, mm-hmm. with Raphael Sonic. And we went, the, the deal was, that I had to stay and we were going to go on a motorcycle ride after 
we raced Pendezvous. The bad portion about this whole story is that the other teammate was injured, mm-hmm. and so was Raphael. And two weeks prior to this, I had fallen off in Idaho and broke and dislocated my shoulder mm-hmm. and didn't know. I just still hadn't figured out yet that it was damaged. I knew it hurt really so, bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it hurt really bad. But I rode most of the race, <laughs> and yet I'm dead tired. My body's killing me. My arm hurts, and we go into the Alps, the Swiss Alps, mm-hmm. and because Bonnie was right there, right. and get on these motorcycles the next day, and we rode until sometime in the late evening. And Raphael's the kind of guy that he never eats. I don't know how he does it because I'm hungry all the time and this guy never eats so I'm hungry all the time too you know and I'm just wondering what are you doing man because I'm freaking we didn't eat we didn't eat lunch and it's way past dinner <laughs> and he says yeah we're just going to go to bed and I go well I'm hungry because yeah. I think they gave me a, a granola some type of bar there you energy go. bar you know? yeah here eat this and, you know and uh, it, it, but it was just so much fun. I rode a, an 1100 Honda sport touring bike, and Raphael rode uh, one of the Yamaha machines, the rocket ships that, uh, that they had back then. And uh, his bike would drive away from the one I got to ride. But. I had an FJR 1300 for a while, and that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's sport touring bike. Okay. Same thing with the beer pool, just acceleration really I remember going down one of the freeways at night and I'm pinned in high gear and I can barely see the lines on the road and probably just a line. And the and the 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 light poles, which the lighting's nothing like it is on the right. roads here. I mean, there it's 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 that dull yellow, yeah. and I'm just thinking this is nuts because I can't even see his taillight, yeah. and I'm just freaking pinned trying to catch up, and uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking this is this is not going to end well, <laughs> you know. We made it. Oh yeah, got the nice experience. Well, we were in the Swiss Alps, where the Italian Alps and the Austrian Alps, if I'm not mistaken, all are tied together. And they have a crew of got people that if there's a motorcycle accident, because, you know, it's huge over there, that they will call these guys out and they will come and clean it up. And you won't be able to tell that there was a wreck there. They take photos, they measure it, clean it up, and it's gone in less than 30 minutes. Wow. Fatal, non-fatal, they don't care. It's not there. I know it's like switchback after switchback on these days. A minute turn edges right there and I hit a pebble in the road and it stepped out of the freaking moved over and I'm like oh that's crazy you know I mean I'm, you're talking I'm an off-road guy I'm not a street guy but there's some of the gotchas in off-road areas too man and you, you, know, you won't get your bike out if even even up here and uh, going up to Idlewild that uh, was it Bee Canyon you ever been up there no not that one it's like a side of a hill steep and it carved the road in the edge of it yeah, and you if, bob- he, if he bobbled off, I mean, you'd probably survive it, but you wouldn't get your bike out. But you just leave it there? Yeah, I mean, there's just no, I mean, maybe with a helicopter or something. Yeah. Strap on, you, you wouldn't ride it out there. But uh, that's crazy. And there's some trails up in Gorman, too, up in the Hungry Valley that are the same way. They they got these trails, and they're single track, too. And it's really tough if someone's coming the other way. you got to both stop and help each other and drag a bike because the same thing if you go off.
I just no thanks. Some of those trails, I'm saying not only just the pavement, but there's areas in these off road races that are absolutely pretty janky, man. You gotta be careful. (laughs) The new style of racing that they what they do with some of these machines. The extreme races oh, yeah. that they put them through. There's hard you know. enduros like that Erzberg uh, rodeo thing. You know yeah, that's freaking totally insane. That doesn't look like fun, man. I not not for me. You guys no. just like launching their bikes just to get them up some of these hills. And then the pro guys ride through there like it's you know, like like Malcolm Smith, mm-hmm. feet on the peg, right to the top, you know, and and looking at everybody like, what's the problem? Why are you guys having an issue? Yeah, he was a fantastic driver, rider. Oh, Malcolm. Oh, yeah. Nothing There's lots of good riders. You know, Marty Smith, all these other guys. Yeah. Gary Jones. These guys were actually yeah, a lot of those guys never got the print to Malcolm. Oh, no. Oh, no. Gary Jones is still a good rider. Oh, yeah. So he's having Marty. a little... You've seen Marty in a while. You've seen him. He's gotten pretty big over time. No, I haven't seen him. Marty Smith? He can still. No, not Marty Smith, Marty Tripes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Marty yeah. Smith. He doesn't ride anymore. Tripes doesn't ride anymore. No, he's too big. The last time I seen him, was just a bit. Last time I saw him, they weighed 400 pounds. Him and uh, Jimmy. Jimmy Brown? Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy's gotten big over time, too. And Jimmy used to fight professionally at 160 pounds. He was in school when I was in school. He, yeah. He was a tough dude. Yeah, he fought at 160 pounds professionally. Really? Yep. He was ranked number five in WBC. He was bigger than that. Because I weighed 165 I, in high school. Yeah, he weighed I still 100. weighed 165. Yeah, he weighed 165 <laughs> pounds. 165 in high school. There you go. 160 now. There you go. Yeah, I would have guys. Whatever, guys. He probably didn't weigh 165 when he was like in sixth grade. Or something. I haven't weighed 165. He was wrestling and he was almost skinny. Almost skinny? You know, I, my junior year came about and I said, I ain't cutting weight anymore. I'm way, I'm way wrestling whatever weight class I have to. I remember training with the heavyweights, you know, and they would just beat the crap out of me because I didn't want to, I didn't want to turn, I didn't want to diet. See, when me and Jimmy were in school, they had boxing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in the boxing thing too. I think that's how I knew him. I was in. Uh, uh, yeah, but he wasn't allowed to box in any of that. Well, maybe not. Because he was a pro. He was fucking. Even in high school? Even? Yeah, he was a pro. Really? So, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. We went He's to always a... chewing tobacco. I remember that. Still does. does today, yeah. Still does today. Yeah, we, we went to one of them boxing matches in the gym. Right. And Lauren boxed, but kind of like he played football. <laughs> Just. All you know, all out, and uh, knock the guy down, and uh, they call it a tie and make make everybody feel good. They had fight nights. There's uh, three schools: El Capitan, Mount McGill, and uh, I forget what other high school. And then, like on Wednesday nights, would be like you know football, we have boxing matches. That was three, awesome. Three rounders. <laughs> had the headsets and everything. It was good. That was probably. I mean, that was high school, man. And, and uh, my, my coach, the boxing coach, could play that man. Wasn't it? Was he it Taggart? So it was Taggart. Yeah. Yep. Coach Taggart. Yeah, he was the best coach ever. He's a good dude. He passed away a while back. I think. Yep, he did. He did. We've yeah. talked about everything, but we've <laughs> talked about everything but 250Rs here. Um, well, I never raced one. I mean, other than that one in 2000. Um, and you, we moved from three wheelers to obviously the four wheeler in '86. I think we came out with four right. But you raced an LT250 with an 86. RM motor in it. I did. That mm-hmm. Sam put the motor in there. Mm-hmm. It was an excellent quad. I mean, I won so many. I probably won more races on that in a single season than any other race that I had. I won a lot of races. I raced Gary Denton. Raced all the current pros. Um, in fact, Marty Trice, we just talked about, had a held races at El Cajon Speedway. It's kind of like a Mickey, Mickey Thompson event. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I remember it was four or five race series, but I won all of them except for one. And uh, I was on that Suzuki. The last one I raced was on the other. Was, was that when they had the track outside the track? No, no, it was actually on, started on the pavement and then built on the infield. So it was jumps and turns. Yeah, you took me, you, you spent some time with me in the hospital when I crashed there. Or did you race there? Yep. It was a great track. We did a good job with it. 
Oh yeah, they raced two class. They had a three wheeler class and they had a quad class. And in '86, I was on the Suzuki. And I, they had TT races at Carlsbad too, like twice a month. Yeah, we raced all of those. All yeah. those too, and I won every every one of those races. I won on that thing. Um, Dually, when I first got with the with with Suzuki, when they actually helped me out, they looked me up. The guy's name was uh, Suzuki uh, Rep at the time. That was handling the quads. Shoot, can't remember his name, but he was affiliated with Mark Dooley at BG. It was because Honda wouldn't let us have sponsors in '85. Right. It's just Honda line only, which was a difficult thing for me to do. So once I separated from Honda and got on that Suzuki deal, all my sponsors came back on board, right. which was really helpful. And um, Pat, this guy's name was Pat, that was at Suzuki. Anyway, he gave me a, a brand new quad, but it was that early, the 85, 86s had that like enduro type motor. In it. Yeah, but the the case read thing. Yeah. It was really, I mean, obviously you could make them run if you spend enough money on them, but Dooley had no no time with them. And so he said, I'll buy you an RM250, have your brother put the motor in, in the quad. And it was almost a bolt-in. It was a bolt-in. Right. The, everything lined up. All the motor mounts were perfect. The chain lined up perfect. Just by bolting it in there, it had the same locations in it. He had to make a little spacer because the, the swing arm bolt went through the back of the motor and the RM motor was a little narrower. So what I had to do was measure and put a spacer in there and buckle it all up. The, the hardest part of the conversion is the early quads had a single down tube because the exhaust ex- exited on the side. Right. So Sam had to cut the down tube and he just welded in a hoop like the bikes typically had too and yeah. because it had a center exhaust and Mark built a hand built pipe for it and the thing was a rocket right from the get-go they didn't have to do anything to it it was a single ring piston it was a modern engine right and uh, like I said I won a lot of races had good rigs built and works performance shocks and Den used to call the thing a Cadillac that's what he called it right and we had some great battle. we had a great battle at the Mickey Thompson race I don't know if I ever showed you that picture where he's like doing a big endo uh no you didn't yeah he did this to win to pass me because they had those little they built these jumps out of steel mm-hmm. it was the same thing a lot of the portion of the race is like like his was on pavement so to make it entertaining he built these little they were about like this maybe a little taller and they were steel they were and just kick so when you hit the thing it's just like hitting the curb <laughs> right but it was you know kick you up and the spectators like it but i had my my bike set up really good so I could hit those things tap. And Gary would have to let off. So we would we would go back and forth through the track, but and then that last kicker was right at the finish line. And he would always have to back off and I could hit a pin and just launch and land on the back just like you normally would. Right. And, uh, like I said, he was right behind me and I knew I had this race one on the last lap. I could see the checkers and Gary just kept the pin. And when I like let off to take the win, he just when and they and almost freaking took himself out. Yeah, wait till you see this. I'll find it for you. That's pretty awesome. He's a cool guy. I know he made it into the He made it into oh, the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. And that's that's unbelievable. You know? He he's taken this about long this to too. put a, that it's taken this long to put a ATV guy in the Hall of Fame. Well, it's good for him because, um, and the reason he is in is because of the AMA. You know, when it was those nationals and those eight that he won back and forth, I mean, that was a heck of a, a run that he had. But I, at the same token, um, they were all, you know, AMA was holding races back then and, uh, you know, was the promoter for, for it. So that's that worked well for him because earlier, obviously, the AMA wasn't involved in three-wheeler racing. And I think that the... AMA actually didn't like three-wheelers for the most part for all the stuff that came through because if you contact them, you contact the AMA and say, who was the like 1985 three-wheeler channel? They'll tell you they don't have any information like there was a flyer. Even right. though even though that was the first that was the first year that the AMA actually was sanctioning the three-wheeler races. Right. Was in 1985. But um, yeah, because Teddy Trey was the '84 GNC. That they do, they did acknowledge yep. that. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, and then the '86, when the four wheelers came out, they they really started paying more attention. But um, 
and 85 that there was so many changes like you and I have touched on as far as uh, you know rules and and wins and things like that that they don't want to have any any memory of it three-wheelers in general I just think that three-wheelers left a bad taste in the AMA's mouth so they well, I think that the, the way that Honda handled the lawsuit deal really screwed it up, too. Well, that was probably some of it as well. Yeah, no doubt. You know, Yamaha got sued for the uh, Rhino, mm-hmm. and they fought it all. Yeah. You know, the, because the consumer used the product improperly is not our fault. We shouldn't be paying these lawsuits, you know. And if Honda would have had a hard line with it and fought it, they yeah. would have won. And who knows where the industry would have went. Because they wouldn't have had to stop making three wheelers, you know. Maybe four wheelers would have been later down the road. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was unfortunately a bad time, and I didn't know what else to do at the time. I was like at the top of my game in '85, and, and oh, there's no more three wheeler races. What are you going to do? Right. So I said, well, looks to me like I better start racing a quad yeah. if I want to keep right. on racing. Right. Even though they did race three wheelers again in '86, most of the talent really went to four-wheelers because they could see the same thing i mean even a lot of sponsors were shook up by that whole three-wheeler thing so if you're on a three-wheeler they were already kind of shying away from it right i know um like i said i had a great 86 season and it was even uh in talks with suzuki to be on their 87 factory team but yamaha approached me almost like two weeks after that about the banshee deal and suzuki didn't want to do any off-road it was just short course stuff only Right, and you didn't want to do... Well, I wanted to do both. I mean, I really liked ATV racing. And, and that's why I started with, say, Gary. I mean, that's really good that he's in the AMA Hall of Fame. But, you know, ATVs, you know, as well as I do, man, there's a lot of other kind of racing. I don't think Gary ever did any desert racing. Nope, never did. So, you know, it's kind of a niche thing. And again, not to take anything away from his accomplishments, which were outstanding. But, you know, there's a lot of other riders that have, to me, more actual ATV uh, well, yeah, you'll, you'll never see a guy like Doug Eichner in the Hall of Fame because he only rode back east in the AMA for um, three years. Uh-huh. You know, he won three open class titles and, and finished in the top 10. And those aren't AMA sanctioned either. So um, For the GNC Nationals? Oh, GNCs yeah. were, yeah. But his seven Pond championships and his and his score and his best in the desert titles and his work titles. One of the best riders ever. And yeah. and he'll never make he'll yeah. never make the Hall of Fame because yeah. a lot of so I'm saying a lot of riders. You think like guys like Dean Sundahl that's still winning races. And he still he should you be know, in there. He's won well, the best in the desert like fifteen or sixteen times. Yeah, he's got to retire before he can go in the Hall of Fame. So. But, yeah, there's a no, no, number But I'm of just people. saying, he, he'll probably never be in the hall either just because, you know, most of the stuff that he did wasn't sponsored or sanctioned by MA. Yep. So there's no record, you know what I'm saying, yep. of all his accomplishments, at least that uh, they would keep, keep... I don't know why I can't find One of record. these days, I'm going to get Dean to come and sit down in here. He said he would Yeah. Uh, when I had the uh, uh, live there at uh, Duncan Racing. But Here's that picture from the 84 Baja Lanta. No, that's the 85... So that was on an 86 3-1. That was actually in a motorcycle magazine. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Show pops. It says Berserk in Baja. And, and, but back controlled. then it was it was it was controlled and normal. And it was pretty cool too, because look what number we ended up with. You know how score gives you numbers. That yep. was my very last race behind it. That's and that so you know, score just use your number. And that's your number. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Gentlemen, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, the, the history show, part one and part two, we'll get it aired. Again, anyway, yeah. thank you so much for sitting down with me for for a part one and a part two that we didn't even intend on. Well, we need to have more three and four. I, I love coming in here and talking to your dad and you. And it's, like well, you said, it's, it's a good time. Well, we really appreciate it. And thank you very much. Thank you, sir. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. 
with over 17 years experience. Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.